questions I would give, number one, um, practice. And practice on you know, shooting as much as possible. Anytime you have an opportunity to shoot, if you really want to take this and make a career out of it, you want to practice and practice as much as possible. You are now listening to the BV Mobile Apps Podcast. The show is designed to help you grow your mobile app audience and get advice from experts in your industry. Now, here's your host, Sean Garvey. Hey, what's going on, family? It's the architect himself, Sean Garvey, the host of BV Mobile Apps Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you want to learn more information about BV Mobile Apps or if you are in the market of getting your app customized, what are you waiting for? Go to their website right now, bvmobileapps.com. That's bvmobileapps with an S at the end.com. Get your app customized today, bvmobileapps.com. Now, this is part two of my interview with Aaron Thornton of Red Carpet Images. He talks about how he has turned his passion of photography into career and how he can help you do the same thing. So here is part two of my interview with Aaron Thornton right here on the BV Mobile Apps Podcast. Aaron Thornton, the owner of Red Carpet Images on the telephone lines with yours truly, the architect, Sean Garvey, BV Mobile Apps Podcast. And a lot of our listeners want to know, they are patiently waiting to know the monetizing aspect of photography. I want to turn my passion into a career. And I've seen the most successful photographers like yourself turn their passion into a career and make a lot of great money off of this particular profession. And so let's talk about the process. Let's talk about the actual process of selling your images. How do you go about the process of selling your own images? Let's walk through the process and talk a little bit about that. Um, there's, you know, you really have to look at it. There's different ways. Uh, there's a couple of different ways, and I'll, and I'll share with you a few of them. Um, number one, how I first started out is I created a uh, website, Red Carpet Images. So it wasn't just a company, but I also created a website. And on that website, I had an e-commerce platform where I could showcase all my images and people publications, other companies, even some celebrities could go on to my website and they could purchase the images. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was one route that you could do it. But there's other ways too. Um, in a lot of cases, when I'm hired, the client or whatever the company is, they're hiring me as the photographer. And then at the end of the day, I turn over all my images to them. And as part of the contract that I've agreed to with them, they pay me X amount of money for doing that work. So there's that way as well. The third way that I utilize for making money and being a photographer is I'm affiliated with uh, some photo agencies. And what photo agencies do are basically um, they are companies that are out there. They send people to different events around the nation or the world. And then you basically are putting your images in their library. They sell the images through their networks. And then the images that you sell or they sell, you would get a percentage of that back, of those profits. And some of the agencies I work with, like Getty Images, is the biggest, probably one of the biggest ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever watch a sports event? At the end, they'll say photography uh, rights by Getty Images. Um, and so that's one of the agencies out there but that's another way to really capitalize on making money in the business. And that's working with agencies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's working with agencies, uh, various agencies. 
um, that help you carry the work uh, and you get paid from it. But how do you actually get the money? Like, how do you actually collect your funds and your money from displaying your work? How does how does that go? So do you want to know specifically which of those, like, three methods that I, um, I I just mentioned? Yes. Do you want to talk about the agency perspective? Yes. Or do you want to talk about one of the other ones? Let's talk about the agency's perspective for a moment. Okay. So, like, with the agencies that I've worked for, you know, again, they're either sending me out to a job Mm-hmm. to take pictures for them. Or um, there's what they call a contributor where I might go out to a job myself, but I can get approved and access to a certain event or know about something going on. Then the agency will allow me to push my images into their library so that they can then distribute them. Okay. And so once those images sell... So they're doing all the work and selling the images to the New York Times or, you know, Rolling Stone or to whatever uh, magazine or publication or anybody that wants to, to buy the image. They're doing all the work of selling that image. And so at the end of the day, and the price of these images vary, but as an example, let's just say that an image sells for $250. At the end of the day, that image sells, and you might have a lot more images that sell as well. So at the end of the month, I receive a statement that tells me all of the information of what sold. And then after that statement comes out, I'll have whatever my percentage or cut is of what was sold. And um, at whatever date... Of, of each month, or once I accumulate a, a certain amount, then they'll issue a check out to me. So then they send me a check. So that's, you know, again, that's just one of the, the methods of making money in the business. But, um, you know, it's, it's pretty simple because that agency is really doing a lot of the work. All you're doing is taking the picture mm-hmm. and then posting it into their library. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the work of distributing it. As a photographer, has there ever been a point in time where you set your own price rate? You you set the price, you tell this particular client, hey, I want this for my work. Have you ever set your own price based on the worth of this work? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I explain the process for when you work with an agency. Um, but the other two processes are set up where you can set your own price. So I'll go through both of those real quick, and that's the first one, having your own website or e-commerce platform where you're basically displaying your work and people are coming in and they're buying it. And, yeah, I set a value for the pictures that I sell off my website. So, you know, whatever that value is, I look at sometimes competitors. What are they selling? those images for mm-hmm. and uh, do I need to be at the same or below or even above based off of you know what expenses I've done to capture that image mm-hmm. and you know you have to think about you know you want to you're in business to make money you want to make a profit so if I'm going and traveling out to an award show you know I have a cost of a flight I have a cost of a hotel you know, I have a cost of food. And so you really kind of calculate out, okay, if my expenses are X, I need to make Y in profit. And if I can speculate that I'll sell X amount of images, you know, over a time period, mm-hmm. then, you know, you can calculate, okay, each image should be worth about this much. Um, so yeah, you know, I set my prices based off of, you know, the event, what I'm doing, 
and you know what the expenses amount to from that that trip or that event that I'm doing. Um, the other part of it is materials. So again, expenses. So if you doing if I'm doing prints, you know there's a cost to print stuff. You know there's a cost for having a website to have a domain um, to have you know, maintenance or a developer for the website. You know, there's a cost for even a mobile app. I'm working with VV mobile apps. <laughs> so, you know, you factor into all that yeah. and you can set your prices that way. Okay. And then the other method that I had mentioned earlier, so we talked about agencies. I just mentioned having your own website. So the other one, the other method is having a client that hires you on a contract. And, in those cases, I think you just have to set a price point based off of your experience and what you're bringing to the table and what you what you offer them. Um, and also, just like you mentioned, the amount of work that you have to put into it. So if you're going to an event and let's just say it's a black tie dinner and it's four hours long, well, you're going to take pictures for four hours. Yeah. But you're also going to edit those pictures or retouch them. You might have to, you know, post them somewhere or come up with materials as like a CD or a flash drive to give them back to the client. So you factor all those costs in and then you come up with the price and that's what, you know, I use to kind of set um, what I offer the client or whatever price I come up with to offer the client. And this goes back to budgeting. And, and this is why we talk about the importance of budgeting, especially on our podcast, because you have to think about the expenses that come along with being a professional, not just only a professional photographer, a professional artist or a professional DJ or even a professional painter, since we're talking about the arts. Um, and, and you have to make sure that your budget is accurate, and you have to be consistent with your budget every week or every day, depending on the amount of work that you have as a photographer. Uh, and it just also goes to show you how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. Because I tell you, as a photographer, like yourself, you do a lot of traveling. You You travel to so many places around the country, around the world. And travel is very expensive, especially when it comes to getting new equipment and um, spending four hours or spending an entire weekend taking pictures, capturing images, that sort of thing. So it can be very costly, but it will save you uh, the amount of headache <laughs> you could get uh, if you don't budget your expenses properly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things that people always look at photographers, especially when, you know, for marriages, when you get married, people look at wedding photographers and the photographer is quoting them a price of, say, you know, $4,000 for a wedding. And they're like, wow, well, why does it take so much? You know, my wedding is only, you know, an, an hour and then the reception is only you know, four hours and we do you know, some pictures in between. Why am I paying $4,000 for, you know, half a day or a day of work? But what they don't realize is that most wedding photographers, there's a lot of expenses that come out of that as well. So it's not just about taking the pictures on that day. You know, it's a lot of work in editing wedding pictures. So for every hour that you might shoot, you might do two or three hours of editing. So, you know, if you're shooting a wedding that, or a day, a wedding day, and it's a six-hour, you know, job mm -hmm. to shoot it, you might be putting in another 12 to 18 hours just to edit those images. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of other things that go back and forth as well. So, you, you know, your equipment, I mean, most photography equipment is not cheap. So, you know, if you're going to get professional equipment, you know, cameras these days, run you four or five thousand dollars just for the body and then you have to get lenses as well that you work with and because lenses don't 
always come with the camera. But to get professional grade lenses that give you the best quality, you may spend anywhere between, you know, eight hundred dollars to five thousand dollars just for one lens. So, you know, if you're doing the math in your head, you may invest as a wedding photographer or a photographer in general, you may invest fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in equipment. So that also talks to price that you have to set to be able to do business. So it's not just about expenses as far as travel, but it's also about equipment and it's also about time. I want to go back for just one moment. You mentioned Getty Images and everybody knows what Getty Images is. Uh, We use Getty Images all the time, especially on social media when people post pictures of their favorite celebrities or their favorite people they download them to their phone to their laptop computer and they post them up but when we talk about businesses and i've seen and heard this happen so many times Aaron, that when people take someone else's material and post it on their website they don't know the consequences behind taking somebody else's work and using them without their permission or make it seem as if that's their work when in reality is not. Talk to us and talk to our listeners about the legal ramifications behind taking someone's original work and putting it on their platform or on their website for various purposes. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it is a big thing out there. A lot of people do it. And here's the thing you got to remember if you get caught, I mean, it could be pretty pricey to, um, you know, to have to pay that photographer or that artist for their work because you're using it. And, you know, it's, it's basically copyright infringement. Photographers' works, when they shoot something, are, are copyrighted. And they're either owned by the photographer and or the client or company that they're shooting for. So, you know, you really have to be careful when you take and you post other people's work. And, you know, they come back and they see that. You know, they can definitely sue you, the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And I've heard about circumstances where, you know, the photographer wins. So, you know, they'll have to pay damages. And when, you know, you talk about damages, it's basically they're using your, you know, you're using somebody else's work and you're doing it for whatever reason, whether it's to um, be profitable on your own end. But a, you know, a judge or a deciding entity could look at that and say, okay, well, you know, this is, you did this, you did it intentionally, you made profit off of it, you owe the photographer or the company you know, X amount of money. And Getty Images, I will say this, has um, all of our images. As a Getty Imager, Getty Images photographer, um, and even working with other agencies, they tag images so that they can see where they are, who's utilizing them. Mm. And so they can actually, you know, go after people, you know, when need be. And you know, take action upon getting them to pay for copyright infringement. So you really do have to be careful when you take uh, people's work. Now, what the about... The thing to do is always ask. Mm-hmm. You know, you can reach out to the photographer. You can, you can reach out to the company and ask permission. And a lot of times, they may say okay. You know, as long as they know about it. Um, me, personally, for red carpet images... A lot of my work has red carpet images brand branded right across the middle. I have a watermark on the image. And if someone asks, normally I'll say, sure, you can use that for XYZ purposes. Because if it's got my name or a watermark across it, I look at it as free marketing. But that's just me. So, you know, there are other photographers and other companies that look at that differently. But you definitely have to be careful when you, um, you know, take and use other people's.
I, I was just going to ask, what about a cease and desist letter? Uh, most of the time, or in most cases, agencies and companies, they send people a cease and desist letter. Uh, does that only warning the person not to use that original work made by somebody else and, and to take it down and remove it? Or does that also come along with a lawsuit or a fine that they have to pay uh, when it comes to using other people's work? Yeah, so it, it sometimes it depends on the photographer and the company how they want, what action they want to take. But I will say that, I mean, I've had a couple, in my, in my 12 years of professionally shooting, um, I've twice have seen people use work without permission of my own. And in one case, I did uh, consult an attorney, and they did draw up a cease and desist. And uh, in that case, that particular person um, did take down my images. And so I was fine with that. Um, But yeah, nine times out of ten, I think the process is that a cease and desist letter would be going out first, and then if the person ignores that, I think other action can follow. Mm-hmm. But I'm not an attorney, so I can't say for sure. Right. Um, but in my experience, like I said, there's been two different occasions. And in both cases, um, I contacted the person that was using my images. And one time I uh, did send a cease and desist letter. The other time I just contacted them and they stopped using it. So um, I've never had to take any additional action. And for people who want to learn more about the legalities of using other people's work and when it comes to copyright infringement, we ask or we encourage you to go seek legal advice from a professional legal representation that can further assist you or answer more questions about the legal ramifications when it comes to using other people's property, including copyrighted photography online or other resources and other places. Uh, Now, I want to switch gears for just a few moments and talk about your IP. How do you structure your business to protect your IP? So I have done two things. Number one, I've created a business entity, as we talked about earlier, which is the LLC. So that makes me an official, um, I guess, business entity out there. The other thing I did was I copyrighted red carpet images, and it's part of that copyright um, from the U.S. Patent Trade Office. Um, I have copyrighted uh, on the images as well on my website. So what that means is I've reached out to the U.S. Patent Trade Office, and I've let them know. I had filled out paperwork that basically told them what I was doing, um, and I think in some cases they ask for you to send in images, and a lot of this is online, um, so you can Google it. But in, a lot, in some cases, I think they actually ask you to send in some of your images so they can see what you're looking to copyright. Um, but in general terms, just know that a photographer, when they take a picture, they own the rights to that picture. Mm-hmm. So even without copywriting anything with the U.S. Patent Trade Office or Copyright Office, you as a photographer still own the rights of that. And if someone else uses it without your permission, then, you know, they're taking a risk that, you know, they could lose a lawsuit if you were to go after them because you're the photographer, you own that. And that's just a general... Um, part of being a photographer you just you just um basically own the copyright and we just got through not too long ago talking about the legal ramifications of copyright infringement so i'm glad that we circled back around and touched on that and apply that with the ip and that's very important uh when it comes to protecting your ip now we spoke a little bit about the equipment the camera equipment Uh, And just to reiterate uh, to our listeners, especially for those who are just tuning in to the BB Mobile Apps podcast, 
the type of equipment, uh, the type of camera and lenses you use when you are doing photography. Explain the type of camera and lenses you use as a photographer when you are doing photography. Right. So my cameras are digital. Um, they're called DSLR cameras. And so really what that means is um, the camera and the lens can be taken apart and you can put different lenses on the body. That's essentially what an SLR or DSLR is. Professional cameras, as I said before, I mean, they vary. The most popular ones out there are Nikon, what I use. Uh, Canon as well. A lot, of, a lot of professional photographers use Canon. And I would say that the question I get the most is which one's better. And to be honest with you, it's a personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with Nikon, and so I've invested a lot of money in Nikon. And so you don't see photographers that have a Nikon and a Canon because of how much the equipment costs. And they're not interchangeable. So I started with Nikon, I liked it, um, and I've stayed with it. Um, People that start with Canon, they like it, they stay with it. Um, You know, there's rumors, some people will argue that one has better color in their images, and one has, you know, better this or better that. But my recommendation, um, back a long time ago, I used to work in a camera store selling cameras, and so I would always tell people, Look at the cameras, the different brands, look at what you need it for, and then go, if you can, go in and, and actually hold the camera. Play with it in your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, Take some demo pictures or pictures with it and get the feel for it. I remember when I first started out, you know, I picked up an icon. It felt pretty good. I picked up a Canon. I went back to the Nikon because it's just my personal feel of how it felt in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other cameras out there too. Sony makes cameras. A lot of professionals use Sony. Um, and there's a number of other ones. So you just have to do your research. But I think, you know, Nikon and Canon are probably the most used um, out there today. Most of my photographer friends they all use pretty much either Canon or Nikon. Some of them have a Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the, the, the biggest ones. As far as the type of cameras, again, you have to look at what you're using using it for. So um, Nikon, for instance, they make probably right now, I would say about 10 different DSLR cameras. And they all have different capacities. They do different things. They have different megapixels which means and converts to the quality of an image and how big of a print you can, you can make off mm-hmm. of that, uh, off that picture that you take. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things like shutter speed and ISO. And I'm starting to get into the technical pieces of taking a picture, but some have faster shutter speeds and some have higher ISOs that allow you to do work in low light. Or shooting sports, you want a fast shutter speed. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to capture something and freeze the motion. Right. So depending on what you're trying to do, you have to look at it. And the same goes with lenses. So when you look at lenses, there's a vast array of lenses out there, different sizes and different capabilities of lenses. And you got to really take a look at what you're trying to use it for. You know, some are good for portraits. Some are good for... Uh, sports, some are good for low light, you know, so you really have to take a kind of understanding of what you're trying to capture, Mm -hmm. Um, what you're trying to capture most of the time as you're shooting, you know, what what photography are you going to really try to spend most of your time in, what area of photography. Mm -hmm. So I hope that answers your question. I don't know, but, you know, do you have any... I mean, any recommendations? Any any recommendations for beginners, like something that they can just start using today if they never really yeah, taken photography definitely. seriously? Any any recommendations for beginners? Yeah, definitely. So I would I would recommend not going out and buying a five thousand dollar camera. 
until you can until you can get a I, I definitely recommend getting a DSLR um, and even buying one that comes with maybe a standard basic lens and then um, learning how to use the camera because as you go into more expensive and more higher quality cameras if you know how to adjust uh, the ISO, the shutter speed, the f-stop, which is also called the aperture. Mm-hmm. If you can make adjustments to give you kind of what you're looking to get out of that camera, even on a lower-end camera, you learn that first, and that's really going to make a big difference. So, And then as you start doing more jobs for different clients that require you to have certain megapixels and sizes of images, that's when you go up into the, the bigger cameras or the more expensive cameras. Or when you start doing work with, again, um, shooting things in low light. So um, as you go into and you become more experienced and you work with more clients and start making more money, then you can upgrade. I would not suggest any beginner to go out and buy a $5,000 camera. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't want we don't want you to go into debt too early as you begin your photography career. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I hear in the story, you know, I, I remember my first camera it was not a DSLR. Wow. <laughs> my first digital camera was not a DSLR. It was a point and shoot. It was a Nikon Coolpix. And this is back in gosh, two thousand six I wanna say, two thousand five. And I bought a Coolpix camera, and it was like two hundred and maybe fifty dollars. And I thought I was doing something big with this thing, no, not knowing that you know there were professionals out there shooting with cameras that were probably, you know, at that time three thousand, four thousand and up. But you know, I started with that, and I started playing with the settings and shooting in manual, and learning that. And then I have basically upgraded my camera. I think. Every few years from there on out, you know, it's, you know, obviously technology changes, so new cameras are coming out all the time. But I look at, you know, okay, what's the need? What money did I have to spend on a new camera? So I looked at all those things, and and I'm pretty much upgraded, you know, every few years. So in my, say, 12 or 15 years of shooting, professionally in the digital space you know i probably have gone through five different types of cameras um or different models i should say of the, of the nikon mm-hmm. and you know each time i've just upgraded mm. okay so the other thing i want to mention with um photography too and of course for a beginner you wouldn't necessarily do this but um as you start working with bigger clients and getting more money you know, you want to be able to have backups as well. So um, the one thing that I try to do is every time I buy a camera or upgrade, um, you know, I make sure that I have two or three in my toolbox because the one thing is you, if you're a professional photographer and you have clients, the last thing you need is to have one camera and that camera breaks, you drop it, or it just malfunctions for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and you can't continue the job. So... You know, I think it's pretty important to be able to always have backups. Um, And then the other thing is I tend to shoot with two cameras as well because I'll usually have a long lens on one camera and then maybe another type of lens on another camera so I can get different shots without having to just change lenses all the time. So if I have one camera with one type of lens and another camera with another type of lens and I don't have to change lenses, I can just pick up that one or pick up the other one. And and you'll see that a lot of times with professional photographers, they'll have more than one camera. And that's the reason why each lens is set up to do a little little something different. Right. What other tips, because we don't want to leave out anything um, in the podcast, uh, what other tips can you give people who are just getting started in the photography business? tips that I would give, number one, um, practice, and practice on shooting as much as possible. Anytime you have an opportunity to shoot, if you really want to take this and make a career out of it, you want to 
practice and practice and as much as possible. Because the more you do something, it's like anything else. You know, even sports. You know, if you're shooting, you want to become a basketball player. The more practice and the more time you are on the court shooting baskets, the better you'll become. And the same thing is with photography. Um, one of the ways I got started, because again, I have an engineering degree, so I didn't, I didn't take photography in school or anything like that. So I worked with other professional photographers that I found out in my area where I lived, and you know, shadowed them, asked them questions, kind of took them on as a mentor in a sense. Um, so I definitely recommend doing that if you're just getting started. And then the other thing is, most camera stores in different areas of the country, most camera stores offer free workshops. And and even if it's not free, you know, usually they're not very expensive. They do charge. They might do a day workshop of learning your camera, learning lighting, learning composition, learning Photoshop. And, you know, even if they do charge, it might be, you know, $50 or $100 or something. But I would take advantage of that too. And that's how I learned from different workshops, free workshops, paid workshops, working with other professionals and just shadowing them and seeing what they do. You know, when I first started out, I mean, that's how I learned my camera. That's how I learned really how to uh, craft my, um, my, my work and how, you know, what I was doing, how I learned. So that's, you know, these are all tips that I think I would give anybody out there. Take advantage of any opportunity you have if you really want to go forward with it. You know, another tip I have in mind uh, and that I want to share to people. Now, I'm not a professional photographer myself like you. You you are a professional photographer. You have some photographers out there that say, well, hey, I am a photographer because I take pictures all the time on my phone. And I've had people say, well, Sean, you are a great photographer because you know how to take pictures on your phone. You know, can you really say that you are a photographer because you take pictures mostly on your phone? Is it fair to say that or no? (laughs) I think it is fair, personally. I think it's fair. I mean, if you have an eye and you can create great pictures with the phone, then more power to you. However, I will say this, that if you want to take this as a career and make a job out of it and make a career out of it, and you want to shoot some of the bigger events like BET Awards or MTV Awards or, you know, different sporting events, if you want to shoot in the NBA, you can't shoot with a phone on those. No matter how great you are, some of these events won't even approve you to come in and shoot their event if you don't have the proper equipment. If you're walking in there with a cell phone, and I've seen it. I've seen people be asked to leave because they're trying to, they're shooting with a cell phone. Mm. So, you know, your question of can you consider yourself a professional photographer? Sure. But I think it's going to depend, too, on what you're trying to shoot. You're not going to be able to get into certain events with a cell phone. You know, we were talking about the legal ramifications of being a photographer doing certain things without the proper consent or the proper permission. But it is another when you claim to be a photographer and you go to these big major events taking pictures using your iPhone or your Android phone and it's a no-no. I was just going to add, Sean, that, you know, a lot of, professional photographers that have been shooting for years, I think that's a pet peeve. That's something that we hate to see is, you know, you're on a red carpet or in a concert Mm -hmm. or someplace and you see the people next to you with a cell phone and you're looking at them and you're wondering like, okay, you're taking this picture with a cell phone and then you, you start to question and maybe it's wrong. But you start to question, are they legit or not? And, you know, what are they really doing at the event shooting with a cell phone? Mm. And, you know, and like I said, it might be wrong to have that go through your mind, but 
you know, most professionals, when you see them on or at events, you know, you see them with professional equipment as well. Right. So the moment I've been waiting for during this podcast is to talk to you about your app and how does it benefit you. We hear so much of the time of DJs and artists, even radio personalities like myself, talk about our app. The app is what's happening nowadays. People gravitate to the app. But as a photographer, how do you use your app and how does it benefit you? Good question. So my app is an extension of my website. That's how I look at it. You know, whether it's a website or an app, you know, the purpose that I utilize it for is for branding and exposure. So when I take pictures from a certain event, and I post to my website, post to my app. It's a way to showcase your work. And BV Apps has been pretty beneficial to me because um, when people ask me, when I run into people and they say, hey, you know, where can I see your work? I'll give them my website. I give them the, you know, the mobile app as well and tell them to download it and you can see my work. But what it does is it gives you that exposure. You know, you know you're, you're hoping to have people see what you're doing mm-hmm. and hire you. The other thing it does, when you are a photographer shooting events and you're looking to be credentialed and approved with passes, you know, people want to see your numbers. They want to know where's your pictures going, who's seeing them. And when you can come back and say, hey, my website gets, you know, 500,000 page views a month, or my app gets, you know, so much traffic, then it helps to prove the case of why you should be approved to shoot some of those events. Mm -hmm. So I utilize it for exposure. I utilize it for helping to get approved and show that, my work is being seen and has the traffic and the interest. Um, so that's how, you know, my mobile app has worked for me. Tell the listeners how they can get your app and where can they get it from? So it's in all of the big um, app stores, whether you have an Android device or uh, I have an iPhone, so the um, the Apple Store. You go on and you just search red carpet images, and you can uh, download it from there. It's a free app. Um, and once you download it, it shows you. You can go in and you can see all the different. Uh, well, I shouldn't. Let me. Let me go back because I don't post everything on my app or on my website. Mm -hmm. Some clients don't want that and don't allow for me to do that. Mm -hmm. They sell for contracts. But, um, you know, I do have, I do try to post when I can. And so that way, if you're interested in seeing, you know, different images, different celebrities that you might like and follow, and you want to see some of the work that I'm doing out there, um, you can download the app from your app store. And it's called Red Carpet Images app. Yep, just Red Carpet Images. If you search, I know on the the Apple store on iPhones, you just search Red Carpet Images, it comes up. One last question, and I want to go back to the BET Awards, the Essence Festival, and the Soul Train Awards. You also cover movie premieres as well, too. We, we forgot to mention that earlier. But you cover a lot of different events. Can you say you have a favorite picture, image, or photo that you have taken in your career as a photographer? Can you say you have some favorite ones that you have taken? And if so, what are they? Like, what are your best images known to date? <laughs> I don't know, Sean. That's a good question because I don't know. Um, I mean, I've taken so many images over the years. I don't know if I have a favorite. Wow. I mean, I've been fortunate to cover um, 
presidents. So I think shots of President Obama mm. or Bill okay. Clinton. Wow. Um, those probably would be some of my favorites just because, you know, how many people have the opportunity to be in the same space and to cover different things with a president. So, you know, I would I would have to maybe gravitate to that. Um, I enjoy sports a lot. I enjoy, I really enjoy shooting sports. I shot um, professional sports for a while, and now I do a lot of college sports. Mm, amazing. And I really enjoy those shots because with sports, you're really, it's about timing, and it's about really experience and trying to get a certain moment or capture a certain moment in time on the field or on the court. Right. And so you can just imagine that, you know, when you're capturing a dunk or a uh, player that's parallel to the ground catching a football and it comes out with great lighting and great color and and it's not blurry, and you see those type of shots. I mean, now those are the ones that really excite me the most when I see that, when I can capture something like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't say I have one particular shot that's a favorite. I'm, I think I've done just a lot, so that uh, it would be hard to hard to say. Go ahead and give people your contact information. We definitely want to send potential clients your way and send businesses your way to um, do some great work for potential clients and potential businesses. So go ahead and give our listeners your contact information and how people can follow you via social media. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the easiest way is obviously to have social media. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, um, as Red Carpet Images, also on Facebook. If you just um, search Red Carpet Images, it should come up on Instagram, Twitter, as well as uh, Facebook. Um, and that's probably the easiest way to contact me is through social media. Uh, and you can actually see a lot of my work there, too. So, What are some of the best places to go and get a camera? So I'll be honest with you. Most of the stuff I buy is from eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... That's the truth. Um, I find that, well, number one, um, you can definitely go to camera stores, like Best Buy even, um, and get a camera. They sell Nikon and Canon products. You can go to camera shops that are in your area. Of course, they're going to have, you know, all the cameras and lenses that you would probably want. Um but yeah, Amazon, eBay. Um, I usually shop on Amazon and eBay. And just to be totally transparent, um, a lot of times I will buy used cameras because, as I mentioned earlier, as a professional, some of the camera equipment that I use, it you know, it's quite expensive. So to buy a new one at a price of four or five thousand dollars for a camera body. I don't mind going to eBay and doing my research on the person that's selling it and, and the camera and asking questions and then even trying to make sure that they accept returns if I need to return it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you could find a $4,000 camera maybe for, you know, 20% off of that. Mm. So you might spend 3000 for a $4,000 camera. So it's, it's things mm-hmm. like that. You know, and in a lot of cases, you get people that have bought a professional camera and they're realizing later on down the road that, you know what, I spent all this money for this camera. <laughs> I don't even use it right. like I'm supposed to or need to. And so I don't need to have such an expensive camera. So they put it on eBay and they're just looking to try to get some of it back, the money that they spent. Awesome. So. You know, eBay is a good way, Amazon as well, to find deals. Um, so 
that's that's where I do a lot of my shopping. And then there's of course Amazon and a few other places too to look into the kind of cameras that best suit your needs. So I'm glad we gave that information out there to our listeners. Right now, I I have a listener who is ready to go and get a new camera <laughs> to start taking some pictures and uh, become more serious in the photography world. Um, so we are happy about that, and we are definitely happy that you spent time and uh, out of your busy schedule to speak to us today on the BV Mobile Apps Podcast about the tricks and the trades of being a photographer. And I'm glad that we gave some great information on how to turn photography into a career. Any last thoughts, any last words you would like to share to our listening audience before we let you go? I mean, it's been a pleasure talking about the experiences and the business with you guys. And, um, you know, my, I guess the last words I would just say is just, uh, you know, if you want to get into the business of taking pictures professionally or even as a hobby, uh, because you have a passion for it, then, you know, just get started. And again, look for any opportunity you have, whether it's a free workshop to learn or it's just practicing. Well, thank you so much, Aaron Thornton. We really wish you all the best and continued success. And we definitely look forward to seeing more of your work in the near future. No problem. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the extended, extended version of the BB Mobile Apps Podcast as we talk to professional photographer and owner of Red Carpet Images, Aaron Thornton. I am Sean Garvey. Make sure you follow me on all your social media at Sean Garvey on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Sean Garvey ATL. And if you want more information about how you can get your app customized, you can go to bvmobileapps.com. That's bvmobileapps.com. Or send us an email to podcast at bvmobileapps.com. It's a new year. It's a new day. We're starting it over. Starting the day. Thank you for listening to the BV Mobile Apps Podcast with your host, Sean Garvey. For more information about BV Mobile Apps, visit the, the website, bvmobileapps.com. Don't forget to follow BV Mobile Apps on social media at BV Mobile Apps. Tune in again next time on the BV Mobile Apps Podcast.